Welcome to the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bolster. Please follow me on Instagram at bolstered underscore up underscore sports and on Twitter at BS underscore takes. Please share, rate, review, and subscribe. I appreciate all of the support. Have a great episode on deck for you today. Ethan Poulos is joining me to discuss the NBA playoffs, and we absolutely do not hold back on the Los Angeles Clippers and way off P. We give the Nuggets and Heat their due and give predictions moving forward. You're going to love this one. All right, Ethan, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm great. Anytime the Clippers lose, the Lakers advance. That's great. What did you think about last night's games? I mean, the Clippers one's obviously the big story with having a top five player in the league and then a top – 10 to 15 player in the league and Paul George on the same team kind of holding the league hostage for the off season, waiting for Paul George to sign almost doing it. So the Lakers can't get the free agent players. They might be able to, because they're waiting on Kawhi to sign and then not making the conference finals and losing to a good team, but a super young team that probably shouldn't have beat them in the first place. And then doing it after being up 3-1 and the performance we see in the fourth quarter. I mean, Paul George shoots the one off the side of the backboard, and I laughed. I did. I laughed out loud. I thought it was hilarious. And it was just the perfect kind of just, I guess, metaphor for the game and how the Clippers just, like, weren't ready to seize the moment. Their team wasn't there as a team. They were just a bunch of individuals playing. So, for me, it was – it was super interesting. I was cheering for the Nuggets. I thought it'd be a cool story for them to win. And as a LeBron fan, obviously it makes their path to the finals easier, in my opinion. So I was kind of rooting on both ends for that. So I got the result I wanted. Yeah, you're exactly right. That Nuggets team is so young. Like, do you know how old Nikola Jokic is? He's like 24, right? He's 24 still. Like, that's crazy. I mean, he's a guy that's definitely like 24 going on 40 with his three-inch vert. And you know what? As a Lakers fan, seeing the Clippers lose was so awesome. Even back to the Lob City days, and especially now, the Clippers carry themselves like they're the Lakers. They walk around arrogant. They talk more smack than any team out there, and none of them have done anything outside of Kawhi Leonard. Playoff P giving himself that name is the most ridiculous thing. And it's obviously in his own head. Way off P is trending now. And you know what? Like, I love seeing Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum chime in because Patrick Beverly, Marcus Morris, these are a bunch of fake tough guys, you know? And I think everybody enjoyed seeing the fake tough guys get punched in the nose, right? It's kind of like when the bully finally gets beaten up. And it's like he's a fake tough guy. That's what I think about the Clippers. All talk, no walk, giving themselves the name Playoff P, and it's really way off P. Now, what do you think about, like, Kawhi Leonard, though? He was getting crushed. Even A said the biggest choke of all time. I'm kind of more on the side that, like, he gets a bit of a pass when we talk about Kawhi Leonard choking. Of course, he didn't play good, but he has a pretty solid resume. The other bums – Way off P, the crew of fake tough guys. Yeah, get out of here. You guys suck in the playoffs until proven otherwise. But Kawhi gets the benefit of the doubt in my eyes. 
I think he does to a certain extent, but I mean, he disappeared completely, completely disappeared. It wasn't even a conference finals game. It's a second round game. It's a team they should have beat in this in game five. They were up 20. His game seven performances, if you look at them, he's played in, I think this is his fifth game seven, aren't good, except for the game last year against the Sixers. And he shot 38 times against the Sixers last year to score 40-something points. Now, he had to, and they ended up winning that game on a triple, quadruple bounce shot over a seven-foot-three guy with him in the corner. But if he misses that shot, it's a, everything is completely different right now. But other, his other game sevens are like 14 points, 15 points, 12 points, not a whole lot of rebounds, not a whole lot of assists. Again, he's not the best assist guy anyway. This was not a good performance. And he was by far the best player in that series on paper. And, I mean, people were talking about him this year as, like, he's the best player in the league. Like, Giannis might be the regular season MVP, but everybody is saying after last year's playoffs, Kawhi's the best player in the league. He can do it on both ends of the court. He's the playoff player where he can create his own shot. He's so strong. And then to just have two points in the whole second half in a team where you got ran out of the gym with like four minutes left in the second quarter for the rest of the game, it was really embarrassing to me. But again, I do think he can get a little bit of a pass with performances he put up last year to bring the Raptors and win a championship and obviously his performances with the Spurs. I mean, the other guys, I don't understand the roster construction the Clippers went for. They don't have any ball handlers. And the only thing I can see people complaining is Landry Shamit got hurt. Who cares? If that's the reason you're supposed to win a game is Landry Shamit, a six-man, seventh-man player, then you don't deserve to win. The better players didn't win, but I think they end up better team ended up winning that game last night because the Nuggets have played so well together. They look like they're having fun out there. They look like the team is gelling really well right now. This bubble seems like it's really done well for these younger guys, especially guys like Jokic and Murray, who Jokic obviously didn't get a college experience. Murray got one year of college. They're getting sort of that like dorm room college experience again with guys that they're pretty young and they're having a great time right now. The name on the front of the jersey matters more than the name on the back of the jersey. The Clippers, a bunch of me guys, who didn't gel all year and were just given the benefit of the doubt for some reason. Again, I understand giving the benefit of the doubt to Kawhi Leonard after really his career, what we've seen him do with the Spurs, and then he took that to another level with the Raptors. I understand the talk of him being the best player in the league. I think it was justified given the circumstances because I think the only two slash three that you could – throw in there is one you've got Giannis but he's failed in the playoffs so I get giving Kawhi the nod KD was hurt LeBron was hurt so it just kind of makes sense carried his team to a championship albeit over an injured Warriors team like that's a logical take I don't think there's anything wrong with that obviously I think it's been proven to be incorrect at this point it's just a classic case of UCLA or USC right With that kind of rivalry, where it's a one-way rivalry, or maybe the Mets and the Yankees, when the underdog, the little brother, finally feels like they have a chance, they feel like they have to talk it. They feel like they have to convince themselves. And everybody wanted to see the Lakers fail. I think in the media, as well as throughout the NBA, everybody was waiting for the Clippers to finally, you know, be L.A.'s team 
which I think if you're locked into L.A. sports, even in the slightest, you know that would never happen. I don't care if the Clippers had a three-peat. It's a Lakers town, and it's going to remain that way. I don't know if you've watched Game of Thrones, but Tywin Lannister has a great line when he's talking to his grandson, Joffrey, and he says, if you have to tell people you're the king, you're no king. And that's the Clippers. Like, they felt like they had to tell everybody how good they were. And for some reason, I felt that same thing from the media. Like, the media went out of their way to be like, this team is so deep. Is it? They've got Montrezl. They've got Lemon Pepper Lou. Like, okay, nice players, but really? And I just feel like we gave way off P, which is what I'm calling him from now on, way too much benefit of the doubt. You can't even blame him for last night. He didn't play bad. He played normal. I agree. And yes, I, I, name, I watched Game of Thrones. My dog, one of my dogs' name is Drogo. So I definitely, definitely watched Game of Thrones. And another, I think, example is, I mean, you just moved to Raleigh. So you haven't, I think, got the full experience. But NC State and UNC is you mean so Duke? funny. You mean Duke Town? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. NC State fans with UNC people is really funny because they're always looking for like, oh, well, maybe we're better at baseball. Maybe it's like, you suck at basketball. We always beat you in basketball. We beat you twice this year in basketball and you sucked. And then every other sport you are, you're irrelevant in. So it doesn't matter. So that's kind of the way I look at like the Lakers Clippers thing as well. It's like there, there's no relevance to this rivalry because until one team can show they can consistently compete on the level of the other team, there's no, there's no rivalry there. There's not. And then with like the Clippers roster construction, Lou Williams can't guard anybody. Montrez can't guard anybody. There's a reason Montrez was minus whatever he was for the series, and everybody on Twitter is saying Montrez needs to come out of the game, and when he's in, they're going to lose. Zubox fouled out, and if he's one of the guys that you need in the game, again, you're in trouble. And then you have guys like, I hate, Reggie Jackson's not a good player, and I hate Pat Beverly. I think he's a terrible NBA basketball player. If your skill is to just literally irritate people, he reminds me of Aaron Kraft, but just a better athlete, and I hated Aaron Kraft when he was at Ohio State. I think his whole NBA game and the way he plays basketball summed up by that last play where Jokic throws that crazy over-the-head flip pass to Murray on the cut, and he just undercuts him just because why not? Like, that's his goal. At this point, you're going to lose. You're down 20, 30 seconds left in the game. They're embarrassing you at this point, and he can't handle it. So instead of – He's a less skilled, more punk version of like a Marcus Smart and Kyle Lowry. He, like, wants to be those guys, but he's actually just more of a dick and way less skilled. He wants to be Tony Allen, but he doesn't have the respect or the actual, like, defensive prowess that Tony Allen had. He's just more irritating and ended up knocking Russell Westbrook out of the playoff once because he took him out on the chance to call timeout. Like, those are plays that kind of describe Pat Beverly, and if he's kind of like the heart and soul of your team, you have a problem. And then the leader of the team is a guy that is known – to not speak. Like, he doesn't talk to people. Kawhi's not a leader, and he might be, but again, we don't see that outside of the locker room, and there really isn't any reports of him being a true leader from inside of the locker room either. I think it's a lead-by-example type thing where he does things, and you're supposed to kind of follow his example. It worked last year with the Raptors because Lowry is a leader. That's a guy that you can show is going to lead the team that everybody else bought in, and Nick Nurse can really coach. If we're really looking for a scapegoat, though, I think Doc deserves the biggest, the biggest, the biggest kind of load of the blame for this. He he's can't got, coach. He's got to. This is his third 
3-1 series lead that he's blown, among uh, plenty of other series Three, leads. Three three twos, but too. But also, yeah, I mean, seriously, there's two O's. There's, there's plenty that Doc Rivers has blown, and I think his main thing is he just doesn't adjust. And I, I agree with you. I think his biggest flaw, though, and where he fell short in the greatest area was the leadership. He's got to be more vocal. If you know you have Kawhi Leonard, it's not a surprise anymore. The guy doesn't talk. He's not going to talk. He's not going to change, right? He might lead by example, but you need a vocal leader. You have way off P pouting. You have the fake tough guys. They just pout. It really is telling during these games, especially when they're losing, they aren't front running and trash talking. Everybody on the bench, I know they're supposed to be six feet apart, but you can tell like they're separated. There's no emotion. They're just pouting over there on the sidelines they were expecting that everybody would just bow down and hand them the championship because we have two all-stars and we have a bunch of tough guys. Like that's what they thought. Should the Clippers move on from Doc Rivers though? Absolutely. Who would they get? And I know, I mean, I'm not trying to put you on the spot too much, but I feel like that's always the easy answer. I thought about it. He definitely let them down, but like the big name out there is D'Antoni. To me, that makes no sense. I kind of like D'Antoni though. For that organization, and if their goal is to be a show in town, they're going to open a new arena, that team could score 120-plus a game if you let them run up and down the court. I mean, they don't have the true point guard like Dan Tony likes, but I think other than that, they're going to have to go in-house and get, like, Ty Lue. Or, like, those guys aren't good co- – they're good people managers, which is part of the deal – a lot of people say now that head coaches are middle management and it's partially true but if you look at teams like the heat like the celtics where the talent level isn't as high but the coaches do so much to get them to compete the raptors who pushed the celtics to seven they did so much because their coach pushed them to compete i've never really been a big fan of doc as a coach i don't understand why he kept getting jobs and why it was like he's supposed to win it's like he wins because he got good players like, he didn't win in Boston until he got the big three. He didn't win in L.A. until he got Chris Paul and, and Blake Griffin and those guys. And they still weren't super successful. I mean, he's won one championship. They were known for underachieving. I yeah. think everywhere he's been, like, okay, they've been successful, but they're known for underachieving. I get him getting more head coaching jobs. What I don't get is, like, an all-time great. And I think that's just people in the media. They really love and respect Doc Rivers, but – to talk about him being like some all-time great head coach, I just don't think there's any evidence for it. Where it gets really interesting, sure, you can change up the coach, and I think that will make an impact, but there's not really anything that they can do with this roster. Or it's at least just minimal moves on the fringes. I know they've got Jamichael Green, Montrez Harrell, those guys. I think Reggie Jackson is a free agent as well. They literally – Gave everything away for way off Pete. Everything. That's the classic kind of, I, I hate the term, but like little man syndrome move, right? They felt like they had to overcompensate. And they were like, oh my gosh, we can actually do it. We can get to all NBA type players. Screw it. Let's do it. Who cares what we have to give up? Like they don't have any assets. They don't have anything. I don't know how they can really improve next year. I heard some things today that there was potential – this was before the, the Paul George deal – that the Sixers, when Jimmy Butler was still there, was another option. But, again, Kawhi, Kawhi wanted to play with Paul George, apparently. 
if they send that offer to Philly, first of all, Philly is a much better team this year with the shooting and stuff they would have received that the Thunder ended up getting. If they got Gallinari and SGA, they would have been much better this year. But Jimmy Butler plays hard. That dude is not going to let people around him not play hard. You talk about fake tough guys. That's a real tough guy. Like, he plays his butt off. And you can see now, I mean, the shot he hit to win the game last night against the Celtics, that was a grown man, I'm going through contact, I don't care, finish. And that was a potential trade option, apparently, that was like a second or third option. And obviously, Philly screwed up with that one. And then the Thunder Thunder end up winning this trade, it looks like going to be for the long term. How do you get rid of your first-round pick for seven years for a player that's good but that's not LeBron James? Like, I don't understand. Like, you have to get LeBron, Giannis, or, like, you had, that trade had to be for Kawhi. You don't trade for a second-level superstar. You don't trade for a guy that's going to be your second-best player with that much. I know you want to make a splash, but that's not the deal you make. You keep the young guys. You keep Kawhi. They probably would have won this series if they had Gallinari, SGA, in that. Because yeah, they, they would have had more depth. Have. They would have had a ball handler. They would have had some more shooting. Well, they, they probably liked each other. They would have gotten more than four for 16 out of Gallinari and SGA. In all fairness, they made the trade. That was a trade for Paul George, way off P, and Kawhi Leonard. Everybody knows it really wasn't just trading for way off P. I get it in the moment where it really falls short for me is the two year contracts. I don't know if they made, if they executed the trade and then Kawhi dropped the bomb on him. Like, oh yeah, by the way, it's actually just going to be two years and then an option. (laughs) That's probably when they first had that feeling like, oh, this ain't good. I don't see Kawhi leaving LA and I definitely can't see him switching LA teams. At the same time, they don't have any assurances that this experiment's going to last more than just one more year. I think they might honestly try their best to ship off way off P this year. I think that's really the only thing that they can do. Obviously, they won't be able to regain the capital that they sent out to get him, but they might be able to recover a little bit. It'll be really interesting, and I think you bring up a great point with Jimmy Butler. Like, that's a real dude, and he's had poor playoff performances, but you're exactly right. He doesn't pout during them. He doesn't let his effort sway. He's a guy that's going to play really hard, and he's shown that he will hold people accountable, even if it gets uncomfortable. And that's something that Kawhi Leonard doesn't do. So Kawhi Leonard does play really hard, but he doesn't hold people accountable, and the the Clippers are obviously missing that. Your heat take of them going to the finals is looking really good. They won game one versus the Celtics. And before the series, you know, I still had said Celtics in game seven – Don't feel great about it, but I feel like they have a little bit more scoring options and the best player in the series. And then, bam, out of bio with one of the best blocks in playoff history. Arguably the best, especially if you strip some of the context, right? Like, obviously, the context one is going to be LeBron's chase down block as game seven kind of sealed the win for them in an NBA finals. Like, that's higher stakes. But this block, if you strip it of context, was more impressive. Like a head-on block with a guy with a full head of steam running down the lane, and not just a guy, but Jason Tatum. It was an incredible game. I think no matter what, whoever wins, it's going to be an incredible series. Are you feeling even more confident after that game one? 
Maybe a little bit. I think the way the Heat withstood that first quarter where they couldn't score, they weren't shooting the ball very well. Boston, a really good job. Again, just two of the, two of the best defensive teams in the league. Boston really cramped their offense and kind of shortened the court up because the Heat have been so wide open and all the dribble handoffs they run, shutting Duncan Robinson down and kind of getting him out of the game early and kind of taking him out, kind of taking that one major floor spreader out of the game. But, I mean, Miami fights hard. Bam's really good. Obviously, he's an all-star this year, but, like, he's looking like he could be a potential, like, all-defensive level player for years to come. And then, again, Jimmy Butler played real well. Drogic played really, really well yesterday. Tyler Hero almost had a triple-double. He was an assist away from a triple-double and is one of the most just even-keeled rookies. I, the bubble might be helping without a crowd there, but I think he might live off a crowd. Like, he seems like that kind of guy that has that confidence, a little bit of cockiness to him. We're like, Fearless. he doesn't care. He's just going to get it done. And I think Butler is really good. Like, he likes – hero a lot I think that he's kind of taken him under his wing and that is added like hey the best player on my team thinks I can make these plays so he trusts me to do this but the block was incredible watching it live and then you're like wait did that did that really just happen because Tatum goes hard I mean he went so hard to the rim cocked that thing back it looked like nobody was going to get there and then he blocked it with his offhand like left-handed Almost gets a goaltending by his hand hitting the rim, wrist cocked all the way back to save it, and then to get the rebound, not even throw it out of bounds, and then go down and make a free throw. It was an incredible sequence by Bam to really preserve that game and preserve a game the Heat probably shouldn't have won if you look at the way they kind of played. I do think it goes seven. I think it's going to be an awesome series if we get more games like that. The coaches are really good. The teams are really young and fun. So I'm looking forward to that just the rest of the way. No doubt. That series is going to be awesome basketball. I'm definitely going to have my eyes on the other one a little bit more. This might be a bit hot for right now and a little bit of recency bias, but you know, Bam Adebayo is the absolute future of the big man position. A guy that can guard every position, can still defend the rim, and I think it's becoming more and more important that he can facilitate. I think that's so much more important than it ever has been for a big man because you're not just operating out of the post anymore, right? So it's basically, it's not like an isolation play as much. And I think the person that's going to hurt legacy-wise more than anybody is Draymond Green. I think when people look back 30 years from now, he's going to be the guy that people point to. This is why that shift happened. If Bam reaches his potential we're going to be looking at Draymond Green as like a poor man's bam out of bio not to mention other guys because basically Draymond Green he does a lot of great things but he's just not the athlete that some of these guys are going to be that's one take that I had kind of coming out of this that was like a long-term thing I want to quickly head back to the Nuggets just are they real like they're just a team that I'm still kind of struggling to trust a little bit mainly because of like a Jeremy Grant Gary Harris came up big for them against the Clippers and kind of shocking to me but Michael Porter Jr. only had two points and they kicked the Clippers butt so that was awesome to see we know Jokic is real what's going on with Murray he seems like he's back to last season's playoffs version of Jamal Murray where he's up and down but I'd say a little bit more killer in him I think a lot of it did have to do with perimeter defense that he was facing. I mean, he was facing four guys where he's like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and he's facing whatever Morris twin is on, was on the Clippers. 
and then I think it's Marcus, and then Kawhi and Paul George. Like you have those guys guarding you. You're gonna have it's gonna take it some time to get going. I mean, he clearly got loose last night. He had a 40 piece, and it was a pretty the second quarter was pretty spectacular to kind of keep them in the game and kind of make that run at the end. I think he's gonna make an impact in this Lakers series. Again, the Lakers don't have the perimeter defenders the Clippers have as in the size and length, but I think their team defense has been really good. Like last night, Kawhi had to guard Jokic. The Lakers can just say, okay, we'll throw AD at you. He's a better athlete than you. He's longer than you. He's a better defender than anybody you face. He's not Zubak. And Kawhi, as for as good as Kawhi is, Kawhi's like 6'8". Jokic is seven feet tall. Like, he's a legit seven-footer and is passing the ball out of the post. And if you're not in his eyesight, he's going to make passes over you. Worst comes to worst, LeBron guards Murray. But they can still throw the other Morris twin at him. Rondo's played really well and is a pretty is obviously a very smart player and can defend. Danny Green can still defend, even though his offense has been atrocious. Yeah, they're going to have a bunch of different guys to throw at him. And LeBron is going to be able to have some really good defense on him in spots. It won't be all the time like him locking him down. One thing that Jamal Murray does better than anybody in the league is find the camera. That guy has it down. Like, that, that stuff cracks me up. He hits those heartbreaking threes for the Clippers, and he just eyes down that camera like nobody else that I've seen. A lot of the guys are still kind of in that mode of puffing their chest out and kind of like going at the crowd, even though there's no crowd there, except, you know, Westbrook. He still goes at the crowd, (laughs) even though it's just family. (laughs) But, you know, Jamal Murray, I think he's definitely going to have the opportunity and 100% is going to have to play at an elite level for them to beat the Lakers. I still don't see it happening. And I know the NBA would be upset if they ended up getting, instead of Lakers Celtics, you get Nuggets heat. (laughs) You know, if if David Stern was around, I'd feel even more confident that the Lakers pull this one out. I think the Lakers give them one. I think it's a 3-1 and then LeBron just – demolishes them in game five I don't think it's going to be I think I think it'll get to one of those where it's 3-1 and people start talking up oh can the Nuggets do it again and LeBron just like puts his foot down is like no he'll have like a 30 12 assists 12 rebound game or something ridiculous in game five AD will have like 36 or something and they'll win um I saw something today the Nuggets beat the Lakers once in the regular season and it was the game LeBron didn't play the Lakers are a tough matchup and I don't see that Nuggets team matching up with the Lakers, especially as well as they started playing at the end of that Rockets series. They really started to look like the Lakers did before the shutdown happened. They were clicking. They were shooting the ball well. The defense was amazing. They were playing so hard. Everybody was scrambling. I mean, to make the Rockets only shoot 33s instead of 50-something in the way their perimeter defense was. You know, and really they even was... doubled team James Harden, which yeah. is the first time that's ever been done in the NBA. So – the Rockets fans were up in arms. They had apparently thought, I guess, double teams were just illegal and that, you know, nobody, let alone guys in these same playoffs, have ever been double teamed before. So it was pretty awesome seeing that. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, the Lakers are right back to where they were in March. They are clicking on all cylinders. It seems like, even though I've trashed him some, but – Playoff Rondo is like somehow resurrecting himself from a decade ago. You know, he's really playing well. Do you think the Lakers dropped game one for a third straight series? 
the only way I can see it is if LeBron does his normal, I'm going to feel you guys out game again. Do you um, think that's even real? Or yes, do you think do. that's like BS? No, I think it's real. I think that dude is so much better than the competition he actually plays against, especially mentally. I think it really is like, okay, if I play hard, I can figure it out. But if I take a half step back and I really think about what's going on and how they're defending different things, it might not be his best game. He's going to figure out how he's going to beat you guys. I just think the Nuggets, again, they're, they played, what, 14 games in, in this playoffs already. They played the eight games. So they played 24 – or they, yeah, well, they played 24 games or 22 games already. Lakers played two five-game series. They've been off for over a week when they play on Friday. Like, they don't play until Friday night. They're going to be so well-rested. Again, I think it might be one of those where the, the Nuggets come out hot from their game seven. They had a big win. The Lakers are a little bit rusty. They haven't played a game in a week, blah, blah, blah. You finally get to enjoy, enjoy playoff LeBron on your team instead of just cheering for LeBron James like I always have. Do you get to enjoy this because you won't see it much often anymore? Like he's almost – the career's almost over. There's only going to be a couple years left of it. You get to en- actually enjoy and be like, he's on my team. Like I have the best player in the world on my team. And when he does what he does, there's nobody like it. And I really think, like, there's no other player in the playoffs that can touch the way he plays basketball anymore. 100%. LeBron is kind of out there on an island by himself. In a lot of ways, he was anyways, just because, like we mentioned, Kawhi Leonard doesn't talk. And to me, that's a big deal. Like, that's just a big deal. So LeBron, from a leadership standpoint, and Jason Tatum, you know, has shown the lack of ability to close, at least so far. Obviously, he's still so young. Same with Jokic and Murray. They're all under 25. LeBron really has a chance to solidify a decade of being the best player in the NBA. And I think that's really important. Now, he got a little bit lucky with Kevin Durant going down because it looked like the tide might be changing. But he's really got to capitalize on this opportunity that from roughly 25 to 35 – roughly kind of similar to MJ, like I was the best player and there was no doubt about it. I definitely think unlike any other player in this era, you know you can count on LeBron after he went through the heat, right? Like so post-heat LeBron, I feel completely different about. I know what I'm getting from him. And it's not the raw stats. It's the mental toughness and the effort. So heat and pre-Cavs heat, he went in and out, up and down. I don't want to say quite like way off P. That's not fair. But mentally, he seemed up and down some. In these playoffs, he's had bad games. When you just look at shooting percentage or the box score isn't pretty. But he's productive. And he's making winning plays consistently throughout the game. And that's been, the honestly, as a Lakers fan, that's been the most fun thing to watch. And I think you do have to watch the game again. But he makes so many winning plays that go unnoticed in the box score. So for me, you know, the revelation has been, which I've always kind of said, the raw numbers in the box score are a little overrated. But watching him a little bit more closely and getting to appreciate a little bit more because he's on my team, now I'm seeing and having a little bit more appreciation for the things that he does that doesn't show up in the box score. And, it, and you say post-heat. It's really just post-Maverick series. Like, it really no, is. If you, no, I'm sorry. No. It is. We don't need to is. dive into this. Okay. But, but no. yes, I, but I agree. 
the mentality he has had since he went back to Cleveland has really been incredible, in the, especially in the playoffs. You watch every single playoff run. He's been the best player in the playoffs. It doesn't matter who was in the playoffs with him. He's the best player in the playoffs. There's a reason the first time they played the Warriors, he should have won MVP. Like, the guy that guarded him and held him to the most points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks out of any player on either team, and they say he held him to that one MVP. And then, obviously, next series, he, the next year they, he wins it, and then the next year he has to do it all by himself pretty much the next couple of years. So I don't see another player – on either conference's teams right now that can really match up with him. I think Butler might be the closest in mentality-wise. He's not the best player. I think Tatum's a little bit better player than Jimmy Butler is in that series. But I think mentality-wise, I think Butler is the closest they have in either conference to, like, LeBron is the alpha dog. I think Jimmy Butler knows he's the alpha dog of that Miami team. Now, obviously, it would be really fun to see a Lakers-Celtic series. But I think the storylines with Lakers heat would be kind of cool too, because it's LeBron's former team. His coach is still there, um, but it's a completely different cast. Dwayne would be a really good matchup. Yeah. It would be a really good matchup. I'm I'm just saying more from like a, you know, a broad perspective, like national viewership. It definitely Lakers Celtics pulls a little bit more draw. And being fair, you know, I thought about that for a second. I won't say post heat LeBron. I'll say game seven of the first finals against the Spurs from that point on has been a different LeBron, but I, I, w- I wouldn't quite give him credit before that. Again, the standard there is insanely high. So again, I, like I said, way off P <laughs> almost might want to take that out. Like that, that's just not fair other than the map series, but way off P man and Eclipse city. Are they like, are they going to be able to make a run next year? I think so. Kawhi's too good of a basketball player. They'll be good. I mean, he's really that good of a player. They'll be good. The problem is, are they going to rest him like they did this year? Is he going to just get his, like, random load management games that, like, they just give to him because whatever, they just gave him those weird games? Like, that – I think they have to. Yeah. Is it just me or does he feel old? Like, Richard Jefferson brought it up today. I think even though Kawhi's just 29 – He's already peaked, and not that he's going to fall off a cliff, but I think we've seen the best of him. Players of his, the way he plays, you don't get better defensively. Like, you don't. Once your athleticism hits its peak and starts going down, your, your defensive prowess gets worse. You can't cover as much ground. You can't guard a guy that's a little bit quicker than you than you used to be able to. Now, he might get a little bit stronger. He might His post game might get a little better. His mid-range game might get a little better. He even might get a, be, become a better shooter, but – He's never been able to really facilitate. It's been the one flaw in his game. And the athleticism, he looks stiff. He's always looked kind of stiff, but I think the knees look a little bit stiffer than they used to. And I know that was kind of the issue when he was the whole Spurs saga with him. He just wants to take those days off. And Paul George, again, for the postseason disappointments, he's been a good regular season player. Last year, he was like third or fourth MVP voting. Like he was really good last regular season with Oklahoma City. Again, the playoffs have been a completely different story, but will they make a run and be a top three seed in the West? Yes, I think they'll be probably a two, three seed in the West again next year. Western Conference Finals, I think, is that team's ceiling unless Kawhi really does what he does last year and puts the team on his back. I agree with you. And so you've got Lakers over the Nuggets in five, correct? Yeah. 
And you're still holding strong to Heat over the Celtics to make the finals. Yeah, I'll say Heat and seven still. After All right. One. Now, here's my opinion. Seven. Yeah, here's my – you know I've been saying Lakers for a while, as have you. So, I'm still definitely picking the Lakers to come out of the West. Now, my opinion on the East is honestly kind of a toss-up. I said Celtics don't feel great about it, especially with losing game one, a game that they should have won. They let slip away. But I think if the Lakers match up versus the Celtics in the NBA Finals, it's a wrap. The Lakers going to win that one. The Celtics have no answer for Anthony Davis. They're too young. Jason Tatum is not going to be able to overtake LeBron. The Heat, though, that one's a little bit more of a question. Again, definitely would have to to lean on LeBron there. Is there any hesitancy to Lakers overheat in the finals? I don't see any hesitancy. I think it might be a little bit longer series if the Lakers get the heat. I think the Celtics, again, Kimba's won like one game against LeBron his entire career, which is a crazy stat. But like Kimba doesn't beat a LeBron team. That's not going to happen. I don't care. And LeBron's not losing to Boston. Like there's still some stuff there. I think he's not losing to Boston. I think the heat would push him to six. I think they have enough shooting to shoot themselves into a couple wins. I think Jimmy Butler will keep them in a couple games. Um, Drogic is pretty crafty and can get, I mean, he had what 29 last night. They'll, they'll, they'll be able to get a couple games off of them, but you have Bam and then you have Bam 2.0 and AD. You said the better player. There's nobody on that team that can really stick with LeBron. I mean, if you're going to say Jay Crowder and Iguodala, Iguodala couldn't stick with them in 2015 and win finals MVP. Iguodala in 2020 has no chance of sticking with LeBron. Jay Crowder played with LeBron for some reason. Now he plays well. The Lakers should win the finals. They're, they should be the favorite. They should have been the favorite the whole season. But now with the teams remaining, it really looks like something has to happen to them for them to not win the NBA championship this year. Don't put that on them. Don't even, don't even say that stuff out loud. But this was great. We'll definitely have to sit down again right before the NBA Finals, and hopefully we're talking Lakers versus somebody. But I appreciate your time, Ethan. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bolster. Please follow me on Instagram at bolstered underscore up underscore sports and on Twitter at BS underscore takes. Please share, rate, review, and subscribe. I appreciate all of the support. Stay tuned for more great NFL and NBA coverage with week two of the NFL just around the corner, as well as the NBA finals. Thank you.